Hi again, and welcome to All Things Data. What? Yeah, that's right, you hear me first this time. That's because today is all about a whole new series. It's how data has impacted different industries. And today we're talking sports. Sports, love sports, yeah. especially in this time. I mean, WWE yeah, I is in. <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> the only sport around right now. <laughs> in Florida with nobody watching. That must be so weird. Like, I mean, wrestling with no fans and it's being at the gym that's all that is right <laughs> yeah it's oh it's sweet. like i could see basketball and like baseball and stuff without fans because they're playing and it's like training time but like i don't know it, it just feels that wrestling has is way more tied into fan craziness than than anything yeah well basketball you lose what probably all sports but basketball more so you lose the home court advantage because it's your fans that's right pumping you up right because you're so close to that court i wonder if they could like put in you know like the people behind the basket with the little waving noodles it's like put in fake no <laughs> put in fake noodles just like the used car salesman thing that blows up that's right so anytime someone's about to take a shot it's like the, the gym is completely quiet and then all of a sudden there's just, just like... like the flailing arms <laughs> that's right <laughs> that'd be kind of funny actually um yeah i think the only sport where not the only sport but one of the sports where it'd be kind of cool is hockey because you hear all of the skating. So you hear that like cutting of the ice all the time, especially with no fans around. So that would be kind of cool. But yeah, like, that's, that's true. the only advantage I can think of. It's like there's an extra experiential, uh, yeah, experiential thing that's going on in hockey if you do it without fans. Yeah, that's so, yeah, that'd be cool. And like, well, the thing too is, is like you can hear players talking more. You can, you yeah, don't even sure. need to mic people up. Yeah. Yeah, like the NFL mics everybody up, right? Or like the important people, the coaches, the quarterbacks, and sometimes the running backs. That's right. It'd be cool. Like you don't have to mic anybody up because in the NFL, the the mics are on booms that slide all across the field. So yeah, it could just pick everybody up. So you oh. hear a lot of swearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> and yeah, probably no. a lot of yo, get off my foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, yo, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about sports. Like I think yeah. the the big thing. Um, I mean, I think one of the the inspirations of this episode was uh, I was watching Moneyball a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, "Oh man, I totally forgot how good this movie was." Oh and, yeah, uh, you know how to geek out a little bit on it, but you know maybe we start with baseball. Like, it's the OG of stats. Yeah, it really is. I mean, Billy Bean started it all, really, right? That's right. Uh, and before him, I mean, there was a bunch of people who talked about the stats themselves, but didn't go to the ocd level or right. or the depth that he did you know yeah and like but i like, think no go for it i was gonna say it wasn't born out of a need to be a stats nerd or or to be a, a data geek for him it was like we're poor we need to beat the yankees and red Sox. what do we do <laughs> right well with constraints comes innovation right well the whole mm -hmm. thing was like that sabermetrics where like bill james was um you know i think the whole thing was around the idea of old stats don't work or old stats are not really the um the true indicators of of winning and how yeah. people were like valued you know and in moneyball they were talking about you know billy bean not being a first he, he was asking uh um what's his name uh oh my god i can't think of it no uh the guy who's his assistant and asked him if he was um gonna draft him in the first round and he said no <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember the like. I remember the yeah. movie and the whole setup, but I don't remember the people's names anymore. 
but there was yeah it was crazy like because they were just saying basically the whole thing was is that it was like era based home run based hits based and then they kind of you know sabermetrics was born in the the 70s but no one really like bit into it you know and then that whole i don't know change i mean you played baseball like how is how is baseball when we were not measured at all (laughs) uh i think the guy's name was paul de putesta or something like that i just googled it while we were talking yeah um that was a very uh, that was a very podcast about I could Google stuff while we're talking and that's get right. an answer. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Um, no, like when we were when we were playing and I played like at high level. Uh, I got drafted to uh, NCAA, but I messed up my legs before I went. Um, when we were playing, it was on base percentage was the best metric we had. We individually did not track slugging even, so we didn't know how often we hit the ball out of the infield. Uh, we didn't look at how many pitches we took, how many strikes we took, none of that. Like none of the very easy counting metrics, like looking back on my life now in the world of data, I'm like, why wouldn't I have just like done this? Uh, and I think I was more into sports than geeking out at the time. So I was like, how do I improve my, my sports? And I didn't think data was the way because, you know, right. not a single coach ever talked, you know, there was you no take one more like... strikes or sorry, take more balls and, Right. Well, to, no one was taking stats either, as in, like, you didn't have a, a resource on your team, like, counting pitches no. for you and stuff, So, like, right? I remember when I was almost, like, at the tail end of my uh, semi-pro, whatever, like, varsity career, if that's the, probably the word, varsity career, um, they actually had the clipboard with uh, all of the little diamonds on it and every individual player that you sometimes see on the broadcast. And that one you can label, like, People found ways to label in how many balls and strikes you're taking, but it doesn't give you a whole picture. It's just an aggregate count. So right. you're looking at it and you're like, this at bat, I I went through eight pitches and I struck out swinging. Like that's right, the right, metric right. now. It's not really like I hit it, I pulled the ball and it was in the air and the pitch was a breaking ball and blah, blah, blah. Like right. there was none of that, right? And here's my hitting zones that really work. Like it's amazing. Like, I, I really actually don't like watching baseball anymore because I find it quite boring. But it's really amazing watching the overlays that they have uh, when you're oh, watching a baseball yeah. thing. Or just, like, like, how the ball everything. tracker and stuff where it's, like, you yeah. hit it and then you see, like, the streak. And, I mean, that's in almost every sport now, and it's pretty it's pretty awesome. It is. Do you remember when they tried that in hockey and it failed? Yes. Miserably, I think, oh, that was – I thought that was so cool. Like, the no, Fox Sports had it, and they the little oh, yeah, chip in the Fox, puck. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it, it's – oh, that was so good. But yeah, there was things like, um, you know, like doing doing some research on this. There was there's some really interesting uh, outcomes, like, you know, um, batters taking more pitches. So, oh, yeah. you know, because everything is about getting on base. So it's like they figured out that batters have um, you just get on base more if you take more pitches, <laughs> and oh, yeah. then 100%. less yeah. less stolen bases. Is a big thing, yeah. Well, and yeah. less stolen bases too. That's crazy. That and that was because of injuries and people just hitting more home runs. <laughs> yes, like I remember the days of uh, Ricky Henderson, where like I was just and Robbie Alomar, those two. That's guys. right. I would just watch and be like, steal the base, steal the base, steal the base, and then they'd steal second, and I'd be like, steal the base, steal the base. The whole time, I was just like, you guys need to steal home. Why aren't you stealing home? Like, just steal home. <laughs> you uh, guys are so fast. Go. Yeah, yeah. And like nowadays, I think like if you get somebody into like the forties in stolen bases, like. They're winning. I don't know if there's a an award anymore for this, but they're winning that award if it, if it exists. You really, know, like forty? Yeah, yeah. Because like, what was the number? Like 120, 140. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. 
that's yeah, crazy like ridiculous amounts yeah but like, it's so it's so interesting because it's like the once you start focusing on a number that mm-hmm. the game gets optimized for that number right so it's like if there's mm-hmm. people if it's all about getting on base then it's about um you know how how a team can try to get on base more and then how the other team is going to prevent that right so yeah. like the the other one was like shifting positions apparently in 2018 there was oh 28,000 more position shifts than 5 years earlier wow, and wow i did not know that yeah that's crazy and it's there you know it's basically showing people how um or it's it's basically there to block batting averages it's or yeah. they've found a way to you know shift bases so even if it's taking like you know 0. 0.01 off someone's batting average it's I mean, well, it's that's actually huge. <laughs> yeah, like I remember in the last year that I played uh, competitively, uh, we had, you know, like a pretty innovative coach. He was pretty young. Um, he had just played uh, AAA. And he he's the one that came to us and said, uh, your shortstop and your second base need to kind of like move left and right and shift over. We didn't do the whole pole shift where you see three players on that's one right. side of the field. But we pulled them almost to like second basement was like dead straight in front of second base. And then you had the shortstop sort of cut the the base in half and the third baseman was at normal third base position. So that like we were a good team, not a great team, but just those little things actually increased our our ceiling by a lot. So I didn't even think of those things until we started talking about this topic. Oh, that's so interesting. And like, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then I think it's just this battle of numbers, right? So it's like, Hey, these people are trying to do this. Now we're going to have to try to block and prevent it. And that's going to change the game. That's like, there's more pitchers in games now. Like there's, oh, yeah, you there's some pitchers a lot now. <laughs> yeah. Like they switch pitchers a lot. And then that, so that's going to be interesting for playoffs, right? Where they're just like, Oh man, I just went through a pitcher and inning type of thing. But they, you know, the other thing too is, is that they were looking at adaption rates. So like, does a pitcher adapt to a batter faster or does a, batter adapt to a pitcher faster and they found that batters adapt to pitchers so that's why they rotate Mm. pitchers more which is that makes sense i mean because the pitcher's not just there alone you also have the bias of the catcher because i was a catcher and i know this so it's really like does the pitcher actually adapt or is it the catcher who's constantly telling a pitcher do this do this do this because i was like i was a very boss catcher and i'd be like you're doing what i'm telling you or we're not taking this pitch you know, oh, because I had the plan. Oh, I really had the plan. But I, like, I was never a follower in that sense. So it made does, it so. Does like, the coach I was give like, you? We're going to. Yeah. Does, does the coach give you like the game plan and be like, okay, these are the types of batters that need to be this, that, and the other? Yeah. Like, so in most high school ball, you're playing a bunch of high schools that are crap. And then there's like two maybe three that are good. And those two or three are the ones that I charted. So I knew all the batters and I knew their tendencies, but I didn't know, I didn't really pick apart where they, you know, their, their spray chart where they hit the ball or anything. So it was really like, I know that this guy can't hit a ball low and away. So I would just focus low and away. And like, I would not pitch him anywhere else, you know? And it's just like pe- batters just did not adjust in those days. They were right. just like, I refuse to adjust. I'm better than you. Right. I'm like, cool, you, you, you be righteous. I'll just strike you up. You know? Well, that's interesting. And it's, well, it's also like, it's high school ball. So it's like less sophisticated. I'm assuming it it's like the level oh, yeah. of play is not, is not quite as high as say like rep or, you know, some yeah. sort of like varsity program. 
exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're good players, but not great players. You know, like there's people who bat in the four hundreds, but like to actually make it to the major leagues in high school from high school, you'd probably have to be batting like eight hundred. With power. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what Mike Trout was uh, when he was in high school. Probably 1,000. I don't think he ever struck out. <laughs> he never even had a mistake. <laughs> he got a, he either got walked or he hit home runs. That's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or they hit him. That's right. That's the, other, that's the other ploy you could do. Just hit the batter. <laughs> Apparently. So I was reading about Mike Trout recently. And, um, you know, baseball has changed into more of like a portfolio view versus like finding sluggers. Like, you know, back in the day with like mm-hmm. Barry Bonds and like, Mark McGuire and Jose Canseco, yep. like, you know, kind of the heroes of the home run. Yeah. They, you know, um, so teams are after Moneyball just became like all about kind of aggregate and the, the average, you know, the average of the team. And yeah. uh, uh, so Mike Trout, the thing with Mike Trout is that he's not a huge like home run guy, but he just does everything else really well. Yeah, and, what's the call? It's like a five star recruit or something like that. Yeah, like something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're actually when they're when MLB is evaluating players or the smarter clubs are evaluating players, they're looking more focused on like fielding and realize that fielding is as important as getting on base and hitting home runs. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see this... As a player, you would we, probably know that. <laughs> if we look at the analog, yeah, as a player, you do. But if you look at the analog in another sport that both of us have played in volleyball, and we both coached it, um, like the Canadian program was focusing on the wrong things for a very long time. And then all of a sudden, they started focusing on, at the earliest level, they're like, passing is the fundamental skill. That's right. And serving is the fundamental skill. If everybody passes well and everybody serves tough, you're in a really good position. Then the rest of it starts to take care of itself. That's right. So but, if you have good passers, like the fundamentals, you get better. And that's what it is. It's like being boring is the best way to be good. Well, if volleyball like, is like, oh man, I mean, we could have a whole episode on talking about volleyball, but we, we should. I think it'd be really interesting. We both yeah, have a background. We, we totally yeah. should. And we can call and we can invite people coaches. to talk. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But yeah. I mean, with volleyball here, it's you see it, I mean, you know, coaching 17 and 18 you ages it's Mm -hmm. you don't see the you don't see the passing still right you don't see the serving and i mean maybe maybe the serving but it's movement focused and they don't focus a lot on physical literacy and like moving around i think people jump the gun a bit too early and you know the clubs that are kind of like the dynasty clubs in our province you look at them and you're like okay Mm -hmm. everyone knows how to pass and then and then the people that don't it's always the same yeah yeah and i mean like we've been part of good clubs as well so but anyway we should digress away from <laughs> yeah that's right and get back to the subject matter <laughs> that's right okay well anyways well baseball the other thing too is that one other interesting thing with contracts is that like or building portfolios is contracts now that you're you know looking at on base yeah. percentage and then now you're looking at you know fielding and these metrics that are super important you don't you don't necessarily have uh, contracts. I mean, you're going to have those like insane baseball, like four hundred million dollar, yeah, like four hundred million dollar contracts. But like everyone else, apparently, uh, contract sizes are going down, and the years on yeah, contracts well, yeah. are go- no one's signing ten year deals anymore. No, right? it feels very very NFL ish. Like it's almost like a non guaranteed two year contract. That's right. But there's no non guaranteed in baseball. And well, and the other thing too is is um, they've really charted out age progression and basically once you hit like your 30s so like 32 33 your production significantly drops and they're like why would we sign a 10-year deal when 
you know, all your productive years are going to be your first three, four. And then all of a sudden you've got seven years of someone not doing, uh, yeah. If you're not, from Toronto, well. you, you've seen this recently with Jose Batista when he left or when we stopped That's paying right. him, I guess, like he couldn't get another contract and the year before he was just smashing balls. Right. So that's right. Huge drop off. Right. That's like NFL running backs. Oh yeah. You get, well, um, that's you a get tough crushed. position. Oh my God. Oh, yeah. And that's why they get paid the big bucks at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. I think they have a lifetime or a lifespan in the NFL of like two and a half or three years, but also yeah. that's the lifespan in the NFL. That's right. Yeah. NFL oh. headshots. So bad. headshots. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, well, let's talk about some other sports. I mean, there's some other yeah, interesting sure. ones like, I'm a, I'm a big F1 fan. I know you know some guys that were doing F1 stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But really interestingly, like F1 was a, you know, as a, as a kid watching it, you know, you see people, I mean, even now you, you the cars are getting a little smaller. They're not, yeah. they're not quite as fast, but more nimble, but you know, they would always kind of tune and like, you know, the day before they have like their test car and then they have the race car and then, you know, mm-hmm. they're, cha- they're figuring out their tires and stuff. But uh Apparently, like, I'm a big Lewis Hamilton fan, and you know he's won the last like two-ish years. And uh, his, they were saying that on his car specifically, uh, the Mercedes, they have 300 sensors on the car, yeah. and uh, they test. Basically, they're just like micro tuning, and it's like second, yeah. you know, milliseconds on oh, yeah. the draft and stuff. But that must be that must be crazy. And your friend was saying like he can't tell you anything about this yeah yeah basically it's at the level of like top secret stuff right because you got to think f1 they need a competitive advantage against the rest of the f1 and none of this stuff has uh, like been released sometimes it makes it to papers because like there's academic research going on in the background as well so like there's some like real top secret level stuff here and every once in a while you see stuff creep into the real world so like paddle shifting happened because it happened in f1 that's right Uh, you know, it's CBT the state of the art, right? Exactly. They they really try it out there and it's their their testing ground. And once they get it right and it has a portable possibility to the real world, then like Ferrari, Mercedes, whoever, you know, tries to bring it in. That's right. And it's usually obviously the higher end cars who do this, right? Yeah. And well, the the thing is with F1 is it's always like the state of the art of like driving, you know, and Formula yeah. E is coming. So that'll be interesting to see. Oh, yeah. And that's going to push the boundaries, I think. Um, yeah. But what, what's interesting with F1 is that it's always brought innovation, right? Like back in the day, once the innovation happens, that car wins in builders, right? Like when yeah. Jaguar, Jaguar invented the disc brake. And oh, when really? they invented in yeah, F1? Oh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and I can't remember when it was. It was, you know, I think it was in the '50s, and basically everyone was using drum brakes. And once Jaguar introduced disc brakes, they could bring their stopping time in their car. Like they could stop later in a turn, so they initiate the turn later. Yeah, and yeah. that would say they were smashing people like seconds, really, like huh? minutes, maybe even in laps, because they were just like, yeah, we can go, you know, a hundred k for you know, a hundred meters, whereas another car can only go hundred K for 70 meters. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they were just like destroying people. And then eventually everyone figured out breaks, but then even like drafting or like not drafting, but you know, the, um, the wings on the cars and stuff, the tuning Lotus had a thing where they auto adjusted the height of the vehicle, yeah. um, in, in race. And then that's when like, you know, again, like that shaves like seconds off milliseconds off times but when you're doing it in hundreds of laps you know yes it yeah, uh sure. it you know it, it wins it, it wins yeah and yeah. I'm, I'm sure ferrari had secret sauce when schumacher was there 
Yeah, because they were winning nonstop. I mean, Schumacher probably had a bit to do with it, but yeah. Yeah, so like, I mean, the greatest driver. But it's interesting because it's like when he came back, you know, he wasn't winning. So is it the car or is it the human or is it, you know, the car? I don't know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's a a lot, a lot, a lot to do with the car. Yeah, Uh, for sure. And it's quite possible. Like, the reason you find people who race are generally young is you're not afraid of things and you're invincible. And then, like, you probably start getting to a point when you're, like, 40 and you're just like, uh, you know what? I can crash into that corner. So maybe I'm not going to go as hard as I used to. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's interesting. Where like, you're like, Ayrton Senna died over here. So maybe I'm that's taking right. this corner. Yeah. Well, it's like when Senna had Senna was part of that Lotus team that had the the um, the car that could – or the suspension that could change. And then yeah. F1 banned it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but Didn't another- F1 also tinker around with a – six-wheeled car like almost a tank looking F1. what no i don't yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. that's crazy I, I saw i saw something about that because it turns way better or it corners way better but then they outlawed it like so there's one or two models and i think jay leno has one of them <laughs> it's like 90 degree turns like instant mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah oh my god yeah f1 yeah. No, f1's so cool like i love because it's like very it's technology focused and you know, it, it's kind of weird that they didn't use analytics earlier because it's like you have a machine and you can yeah. learn more about that machine. Right. So, or well, maybe they, they were did also they like the internet of things, like I'm sure Cisco and whoever else makes uh, all of the beacons and sensors, like, yeah, is probably testing the forefront of the IOT world in F1 and applications like F1 because That's they right. stress them, you know, they're on the nanosecond level at some times. And it's like those count. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it's interesting too. Cause like you see Microsoft's big push. Like I remember Microsoft and SAP, like being the big yeah. sponsors in F1 saying like, we power the F1 yeah. and you're like, okay. <laughs> it's like, no, you don't like IOT does, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, and then like, Hey, switching gears one more time, like NBA. I mean, we're both big yeah. fans. Love the yeah, raps. The reason COVID happened. That's right. Rudy Gobert. <laughs> Oh my god! And I'm I'm glad no one on the Raptors actually got it. I know, because, me too. Yeah. Oh my god! Because we were playing them, we were playing them that day. That's right. And then it was us went, against them. And then they went to OKC, and then everybody got sick in OKC. And then he touched every single microphone. Yeah, then, he did. Just like look, look, COVID everywhere, and yeah, like literally oh, COVID so everywhere, dude. Hilarious. Well, I'm glad no one in the NBA like had to be hospitalized or anything. Yeah, I think uh, some of the moms and dads of some of the players have actually had issues and were oh, no. in intensive care. Yeah, like I think Cat, uh, what's his name, Carl Anthony Towns. I saw that his mom actually ended up in the hospital in the oh, ACU. Wow. I haven't tracked it since, but yeah, like it's very possible that family members are hurt, right? Oh man, just shows yeah. importance. But yeah, the NBA is all, all, all about metrics, and they do it without a huge staff. Like I know that's right some of the uh, analytics, they still call them analytics teams uh, at uh, MLSE. And they're not huge, you know, three, four people do yeah, all the right. work. Exactly. And they, well, they, so, I mean, it's the tracking tech. I mean, I think a lot of the time back in the day, it was, um, you know, stats guys charting with clipboards yeah. or, you know, yeah. maybe tablets and weird ways, weird keystrokes on a computer. But now you <laughs> yeah. know, that's, that's automated. So the data team yeah. really their effort is focused on actually crunching. Do you know how that automation actually got started? It was was, uh, was it the camera thing? Like the, yeah, the camera thing from like I think it was only five years ago or so. Uh, very recent, like within the like 2010s for sure. 
there was a company out of Israel who was doing research on uh, on missile guidance technology, and they were using cameras. And of course they did. To, of course, that's what Israel does. Uh, so they were using the cameras for basically for GIS and for tracking, right? So computer vision cameras, like really sophisticated cameras. And I don't remember which NBA team or which NHL team, because it's an arena team that did it first, uh, went to them, and, or maybe they came to the NFL, or sorry, the NHL or NBA. And they said, why don't you use this in uh, tracking your players? Because we track movement like you can't believe. I mean, if you're tracking something at hundreds of miles an hour, you can That's track right. a player running at you know 40 kilometers an hour pretty easily, right? That's right, or like drones in the sky yeah. tracking people on the ground. So the first year it was just like, here's a bunch of raw data. We haven't built anything around this. And then every team started getting better and better and better. And now like you can overlay in real time, uh, like a play as it's happening with what the expected uh, way that it should have happened and how the picks should have happened, how the ball what? should have happened. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Like it's legit that level, and that's not even analytics. That's just like basically a demo show and tell of sorts. Pure and recording. Like, it is, but it's a really so. If you take a a coach who's a gut feel coach and not an analytics coach, and you're like, okay, I get that you don't like analytics, and you may not want to shoot threes. Sam Mitchell. He, yeah, Sam Mitchell. Even Dwayne Casey, right? you overlay their plays with the expected play and you're just like, this is what's happening and this is why we're not winning. Like, even if you're a gut feel coach, you can't be like, oh no, we're doing the things right. Because like, if it's showing right. you, you're doing them wrong. Duh, you're doing them wrong, right? Well, and the other thing too is, is that you don't really have, I mean, that technology wasn't there to inform coaching either, right? No. So it's like, the gut feel guys, I mean, they probably had some data integrated, but at the end of the day, you know, they weren't, fighting in and then now Nick Nurse is doing all this like crazy defensive stuff and I'm assuming that's informed by a gut and experience but also like very data-driven oh for sure yeah I mean uh back in the day all I remember was because I played basketball a lot too was uh Dean Oliver's four factors or four keys or some shit something like that um like it was the closest thing to an analytics or into data science that you had and he, I think, just posited that shooting turnovers, rebounds, and free throws uh, in some weighting, and I don't remember the weighting anymore, uh, were the like success factors to basketball. So like, if you shot well, if you handled your turnovers well and won that battle, if you out-rebounded the other team, and if your free throws were strong, so like good percentage and a good number, you would win more often than not. That's so interesting. Like, if you beat the team on all four of those, it was almost inconceivable that you would lose. And if you still look at box scores today, that kind of holds true. Like 99% of the time. I don't know. That's not Yeah, unless that's there's like some kind of freak, you know. Yeah, like unless Kobe decides to go for 81 or that's something. Right. And uh, sorry, Kobe, RIP Kobe. Uh, but yeah, like nowadays, it, it's... I mean, it's I a, a shooting league now, right? I mean, just straight up. Men are useless. Like unless yeah. you shoot a three, you're useless now. I mean, oh my God. Look Imagine, at the Rockets. Well, imagine like 10 years ago, uh, Giannis was playing. He'd straight up dominate even more. 10 years, right? yeah, when you actually like, went to the paint a lot. Yeah, yeah and it, now it's like he's dominating because he can he can kill you on a dunk and like play good defense, but now it's because he's shooting. It's like even more crazy, right? But yeah. he ha you guys like him have to even adapt, right? But I mean, you know, they're a But also stat. Giannis himself, Giannis himself in a lot of these like, 
China and a bull shop kind of players, they can only work in the systems that happen today. That's like, right. You think if you pack the paint with Shaq and who else was, with, I don't remember who the power forwards were with Shaq, but like another big dude. Uh, and they're good defensive people because Shaq was and whoever played beside him was like Horace Grant. I remember Horace Grant played with him a bit. Yeah. And straight but up, not like he's just bigger than everybody. Yeah. Not just that, but like if you're packing the paint, where does Giannis go for the last three years before he started shooting? That's right. Like Giannis is garbage then. That's the, that's actually how I think it would have happened in like. Oh, so you think like 10 years ago, he would have, he would have been stopped. I think right now, because you can spread out five out or four out with, uh, for them, it's Lopez who stays in, in like the corner or at both Lopez's. That's true. They play both, but like they both shoot threes. And I mean, you look at our, our stretch as well in Toronto, like Marcus all shoots threes at 40%. Ibaka this year is over 40%. So like we're a winning team and our guys shoot threes. I don't know if it's because our guys shoot threes. That right. We're winning well, team. it's we also defense. defense. Yeah, yeah. Defense. Like I, I was, I pulled a stat a little while ago that said um, in 2018, there's 18 threes or 18% of shots, I think uh, in a game worth threes. And then now it's oh, like 27, cool. 27%. So it's like, that's a huge, that's huge. That's probably, and that's a, a league-wide stat because I'm pretty that's certain right. if we looked up the Rockets, you'd be over 60%. The Rockets don't even play a, a guy over 6'6 anymore. <laughs> Just like, 100% small ball all the time? Yeah, they start small ball and they finish small ball. Like their biggest player on the floor, I think, is Harden. Oh, but they haven't won yet. <laughs> no, they haven't won the whole thing, but they really should have won two years ago. Like they choked. Yeah. Like you Oh my God, I know. But I mean, now you look at the the Golden State era and they were kind of the first real team of, you know, three and D or like focusing guys, focusing on guys that were three and D. And And the crazy thing about them is they were amazing under Mark Jackson. And then Steve Kirk comes in and he just listens to analytics dude and they win everything. That's right. Well, I think it was like, there was something about uh, Steve Kerr's system too. Like he changed his flow like he has a flow system and it's like apparently very phil jackson in office yeah yeah yeah. and well it's phil jackson plus the steve kerr three-point touch oh yeah he does that's true even there he did run a triangle every once in a while but yeah it was a lot of motion it's a motion offense it's really cool to watch yeah so it's now you just watch the nba and everybody's doing that everyone who's winning is doing that like there was also in the ncaa you always hear of one or two darlings of the NCAA tournament. And it's usually like a small school who has a coach who's willing to run a motion offense and run it hard. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you end up with players that don't ever make it to the NBA, but end up in the sweet 16. And you're just like, how did that happen? But if you like track back to how they play their offense, it's like, you can just not keep up. Like you're going to be tired no matter what. Yeah. And if they have more, yeah, if they have more stamina than you, even if they're shooting 30%, that's probably good in the NCAA anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm assuming NCAA now too is like more focused on sharpshooters, right? Like back when you looked at NCAA, like you never really saw, you didn't have a lot of shooters coming out and people were finding their shooting form in the NBA. Yeah, that's true. You know, and then now I'm assuming like because the NBA is asking for that, you're going to have people that can, you know, shoot better or have more teams that are more in the you know motion or the the spread type of offenses right 
Yeah, I think you're going to see a lot of copycatting going on. So like this year, I think a lot of people see what Nick Nurse is doing on defense. Yeah. And it's it's not revolutionary, but it's it's slightly different. Like it's just a twist. It's a wrinkle in That's the right. way people defend. But right? it's also the it's, it, it's the defense, but it's also like the change of defense. Like he'll change like schemes multiple times in a game. Yeah. So you get people who are used to a certain way and they're used to it all the time. Like if you're playing at a high level in basketball, That's right. it's man to man. You don't get guarded otherwise. You know, maybe you'll get double team if you're like a Kawhi or a, a you know, or a LeBron or something, but you're, it's a man to man game. And then all of a sudden you have nurse throwing different zones, you know, different schemes, all kinds of switches. Or just like straight know. up full court press for half a game. Yeah, <laughs> for half a game. Yeah. That's crazy. But you have to have the staff who buys into that too, right? That's the thing is yeah, Toronto. Exactly. Toronto did the right thing with going to get players that they knew would fit a system. So they did it more like the NCAA does. So right. rather or, than going to try to get like Giannis every freaking that's right. player, right? Well, they're looking at the team, not just the one person, right? So I that's think right. you know, watching the Raps play is fun because it looks like a college team. So it does. You're right. It's, it's like, interesting. We don't have a super superstar. Like that's right. Lowry's amazing, and uh, Siakam is really good. But beyond that, like it's about team, right? He's amazing. It's just like everyone's pretty good. Yeah, if you have everyone on your team that can drop like 15, that's huge. Yeah. And <laughs> defense. And defense. That's right. And right? defend. That's right. I mean, our well, worst defender is that sharpshooter we have, Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas. And, and he's not that bad anymore. Like he's, he's not stepped terrible. Up too. He's a good positional player. Yeah. But also, like, if he plays bad defense, what did it, what else does he bring? And he shoots like 80% on open three-point shots. So yeah. that's a pretty good thing to do. Well, he's he's the bait too, right? If they put him he on the is. floor, it's like people have someone has chum. to cover you. Right? He's the chum, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like the thing is, you know, NBA. I, I think it's you know kind of close to our hearts, and like things that are interesting about it is you know the whole Kawhi conversation of uh, load oh, yeah. management, right? And you know that's brought on by I think it was brought on by data, but it was also brought on by like you know Toronto taking a chance to keep him. But yeah. did you ever hear about the the DNP old? <laughs> yep i did yeah. with tim duncan you know oh what's crazy God. about that is the spurs had the oldest coach or one of the oldest coach and like when utah didn't have jerry sloan anymore i think uh, pops was the oldest coach in the league and he was the most innovative <laughs> i don't know if it was like because becky hammond or somebody else on his staff uh was actually innovative but like he was like he was the honey badger he's like i don't give a shit i'm going to do what i want to do that's right and my four stars are sitting because the playoffs are coming. That's right. Well, and it, and it's crazy, but you have guys like, you know, back in the day, you'd have like guys coming off the bench, dropping like, you know, 25, 30. And you're like, okay, well, if you have people on the bench that can do that, you might as well, yeah. you know, but I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, it's, it's also, you know, like in baseball, um, you know, OBP was a big thing on base percentage. And yeah. then like, you know, basketball was all about shooting percentages and, you know, steals and blocks and rebounds. And then, you know, it got more sophisticated and it got into this like EPV, like the expected possession value, which you yes. were kind of talking about where when a player um, is doing the same thing, but the expected value of that possession and what it should be with the player having it and not having it. So, yeah it's interesting because it's like basketball is a flow game, right? Like it, it's not like baseball where it's like pitcher versus um, batter. It's like, batter, yeah. you know, you have this one, it's like, you have to pass and it, it can, 
it can switch hands or switch teams either way. Right. So it's really interesting yeah. that they've brought the statistic down from individual stats to like, what is the value of the possession and mm-hmm. with the ball. Right. So it's interesting to, to map out or model that, you know, if you have, if you're dribbling and then it should be going to this player or that yes. player and it's open. So that, that is really, that's really interesting. Yeah, the ones who fight that is usually the the younger players who were the stars of their program in in school, and they're like, no, 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 I'm gonna dribble this out forever, and it's just like you're not gonna get anywhere. And thanks for being in Atlanta. Like that's what happens. That's right. Is you get bad systems and like star players coming from younger ages. Yeah. Who think they know, and then the coach isn't strong enough to be like, no, you don't know. Do what I say or sit on the bench, right? Yeah, well, Nick Nurse style <laughs> with yeah, all the guys that we picked up and they were just like, yeah, you don't play until you play defense. Yeah, like Stanley Johnson, I don't think has played this season. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know, the thing that's really interesting is before I was like, okay, like I took a shot and I missed it or I got it from this area, right? So they mm-hmm. would always have those little like dots on the court, but now it's like yeah. what led up to that shot. Yeah. The history of the shot is just as important or the like five touches or the four passes that led to it. That yeah. is so interesting, right? Because it's like, and maybe it's because you couldn't chart those things before, but now it's like, that's changing the way offenses work. It's changing who gets the ball at the end or who gets the ball at the start, you know, to start the sequence and stuff. Yeah. Oh, it's so. I also remember when uh, basketball commentators started saying, oh, look at the hockey assist. I was like, oh, cool. You guys are actually talking about this. I was like, because the pass before the pass that becomes an assist is often the most important pass, not the actual assist. That's right. If you're open beside me and I just shovel it over to you, but my point guard, you know, broke down the entire defense and we're both basically open right now. To get you that ball. Yeah. Like I really didn't do anything. I just kind of received the ball and pass it over. Like that's all I did. Marcus. Exactly. Like I moved it and it's important, but like the the majority of the work was done by somebody else. So yeah, it's great that they're tracking these things for sure. No, it's so good. Um, Well, Hey, Look, we've come up on time. We're like we did. deep into I this. I want to keep talking about sports. I know, right? Like, I kind of just want to just keep going, but yeah. <laughs> All things sports data podcast coming to you in the future. I know. We're, we're going we're gonna to launch another one now. <laughs> yeah. We're definitely going to have more. All things sports with data. Oh my God. Well, we're definitely going to have more more sports episodes. Um, but, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's going to be great in the future where we're just kind of going deep dives into industries and seeing how data has changed the game and, you know, pretty much everywhere, right? So... We'll take some deep dives into those and, uh, you know, kind of keep going. And hit us up if you want to hear about any specific industry. Like if you're really keen to hear about, I don't know, aesthetics industries for some reason, uh, we might be able to, you know, do something in that world. I have no idea what's going on in aesthetics, but it's possible that there's a lot of data there. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's, there's, um, there's tons of data. There's going to be tons of uh, folks that we can reach out to too, because we're pretty connected in this world. And, you know, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. But, uh, you know, thanks. Thanks for joining, guys. This is great chatting about this. All right. Have a great day and a good week. Take care. Be safe.